I first met Tammy when she served as vice president at AARP, where she created their social media practice, including outreach for AARP's 37 million member organization. Under Tammy's leadership, the AARP team won a Webby Award and had its first million view YouTube video, among many other awards. Tammy went on to found Verified Strategy, a boutique public relations agency with expertise in digital and social media. Verified Strategy worked with clients, including AARP, Cincinnati Public Schools, the Economic Club of New York, Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, Novavax, U.S. Chamber of Commerce, WeWork, and others. Her team managed social media content and community management, future state communications organizational development, crisis communications planning, live event production, social, digital, marketing, and advertising campaigns, and executive thought leadership for busy communications executives who needed scalable support. During the 2020 presidential campaign cycle, Tammy deployed for Biden for president to serve as digital communications and creative director for her home state of Florida. Tammy has trained hundreds of communications professionals, authors, thought leaders, candidates, and C-suite executives on how to more effectively use social media to achieve their goals. Tammy also serves as a commissioner of Washington, D.C.'s Advisory Neighborhood Commission, specifically in the Cleveland Park neighborhood. She's a co-founder of Women of Wine, an advisor to black wine professionals, and is a board member of D.C. Public Library Foundation. It's my honor to have Tammy Gordon join us today. Tammy Gordon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you here. Well, listen, what is it right now, what is it that you're working on or, or what is it that you're working toward that really excites you? Well, I think right now, you know, and I don't know if others are sort of feeling this in a post-pandemic world, but I kind of feel like the things that are outside of the day job are the things that are exciting me the most right now. So um, I've taken on a few new things that are passion projects. I um, was just elected to the Advisory Neighborhood Commission in Washington, D.C. to represent my neighborhood. So I'm learning all about zoning and transportation and the things that my neighbors need. And it's kind of fun. And uh, it's a lot to learn, but I'm meeting so many people and it's really cool. And then I'm also working with a couple of like nonprofits and boards that are allowing me to, you know, invest time and, um, you know, my expertise in lifting up people in both the wine industry and in raising the profile and connecting people to the public libraries here in DC. So that's probably my favorite things I'm working on right now. Wow. What, what a broad portfolio. So you are an elected official there and you're working with some not-for-profit boards and sounds like you're doing a lot of exciting things. I mean, I think one of the things I'm really trying to do, and maybe this is born out of right staring at a laptop and on Teams meetings for the last three years, <laughs> is really getting like out of my house, right? And and doing things with people that I love. So, you know, I've always been passionate about politics and there was an open seat in my neighborhood. So sort of why not jump in, right? And and I think the same thing, like when you see something happening 
um, that you can help out on, um, you know, on, on an issue you care about, on a thing in your community that you care about, you know, being able to jump in and spend time on that has always been something that I've loved, um, but I'm dedicating more of like my, my professional expertise to it now. Yeah. You know, you mentioned in, in that role as an elected official, how you're getting out to help your neighbors and meet and connect with them in some ways. So what are you learning about your role there as an elected official and, you know, the connection that you're making with the people in your neighborhood? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things, and especially, you know, with something that's so local is there's always a really loud minority <laughs> that's kind of like a bunch of haters. Um, but I think like talking about connection, I mean, connection was what really drove me to run for office. I, I you know, sat in my front yard with my neighbors throughout the pandemic and people that I had lived next to for years and years, I got to know and became such great friends with. And they really encouraged me to run. So I, I think of them as my kitchen cabinet. I, you know, asked them about, issues in the neighborhood. And I talk to them about things that are coming up. But I've also met fellow commissioners in doing this and, you know, community leaders and business owners. And to me, each one of those people is an opportunity to, you know, broaden your connections to build those relationships. And, and oftentimes, you know, these big controversial issues that kind of happen in neighborhoods, when you start talking to somebody one on one, about what's important to you and why you have your position, why you care about it. You know, people really get each other more in that person to person conversation than they do on like next door or a crazy listserv. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, can we stick with this topic for just a moment? I know you're doing a lot of other things, but this is a really resonant, uh, topic. What you're talking about here, I think, is interacting with and, and how you connect with people who have, you know, alternative views from you. You mentioned yeah. a little earlier, you know, there's a, always a, a little pocket of folks that are uh, vocal, uh, a loud uh, minority in some ways. And as an elected official, you still have to connect with those people and hear their concerns and allow them to be listen to. So what are you finding as a result of this work that's helping with connecting with people that maybe you really disagree with? Yeah, I mean, I throughout my career, I have always had to do this, right? So I started out my career working in politics um, in North Florida, and for a Democrat in North Florida, and even, you know, 20 something years ago, that was still, you know, sometimes controversial. So, you know, I really learned to listen to people to look for the ways that you can help, even when you really disagree with somebody, there are often ways that you can, you know, help some in some way that they, you know, want, um, you know, it, whether that's helping them get, you know, benefits or access or something, or even just listening sometimes really helps. Um, you know, it helps diffuse a situation, but it also sometimes helps people kind of come around to why, why they think what they think, right? Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's based in reality. Sometimes it's misinformation. Sometimes you just have a disagreement, but, you know, I do find that for most people, when you take the time to listen, grab a cup of coffee, sit down one-on-one, -on -one, that it tends to be a much nicer conversation. It tends to be much more, you know 
um, back and forth. And I think, you know, when you explain like what, where you're coming from, they don't always agree with you, but they at least understand where you're coming from on it. Yeah. You know, I really like that sort of one-to-one intimate scenario that you've painted here where, you know, you're listening and I'm imagining that the, uh, the person on the other side of that really feels heard. And, and my experience in working with you over these years in terms of connection is just that, the sense that when I interact with you in a number of different ways, I always feel heard. And that feels a little bit like a superpower for somebody like you. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, you're, you're right. Like I'm thinking about all the, the things like when we work together, like the things that like, surfaced, right. We had to deal with all kinds of crazy issues. Um, you know, I worked in public relations and a lot of times, you know, everybody wants to, you know, get the word out or they want to solve a crisis or they want to whatever, but things can be like very intense um, when you're dealing with, you know, media or the internet. And so, you know, I've always tried to listen to people where they're coming from and what they need. And for me, it gets really formulaic in my head to sit down and say, like, okay, what is the situation? What is the goal? Like, who are my audiences? Like, strategically, like, how can I help get where we need to be? And kind of like back that out. And so, you know, no matter what the crisis is or the issue is, I, my brain does that from all of these years of kind of, I guess, working in PR and politics. <laughs> um, but, but it's like, you know, I think it's important to do that, but like do it in a human way and, and listen and hear people. And, you know, uh, if, you know, again, even when you're choosing a position that isn't what they want, at least they will know why. Yeah. You know, I, I really like how you just characterized that. And I, I wonder if, we can just switch gears for just a moment, kind of keeping this thread here just a bit. Now, I know that you also have a podcast and you're also involved in an organization. Wine uh, has to do with wine. So uh, could you just chat a little bit about, so relative to connection and and, and how we go about doing that and, and what the value is, could you speak a little bit about some of your current work there on your podcast, what yeah. you're learning there? And also with the uh, wine for women, I think it is that you've, uh, that you're involved in. Yeah. So I'll start out with the podcast since we're doing a podcast today. <laughs> um, and it's really funny. So my, my friend, Tony came to my friend, Jenna and I and said, Hey guys, you know, we all do all of these sort of like podcasts or all of these different things for work. But the, the thing that always united us as friends and how we originally met BTW on Twitter 800 years ago, um, (laughs) was that we would always share restaurant recommendations. And we all knew that we like, we liked each other's taste in food. And, you know, we decided to do this podcast. So it's called the movable feast. And each week, it's just three friends who hop in a podcast and talk about the best thing they ate that week. And, um, you know, in addition to I don't know, being a fun podcast where I hope people get some restaurant recommendations. It is a way for Tony and Jenna and I to connect in ways that we hadn't been, you know, really seeing each other that often anymore. Um, So it's been really fun. And then we've started adding guest hosts to it. And that's a whole nother way to bring these people that you have relationships with, that you're connected to, that you admire into your podcast to have a chat. But I'll tell you the best part about it is when 
it bleeds into real life, right? When you when you catch up with somebody on the podcast and then you make time to go get dinner together the next week. Or when you send a friend to a restaurant that you've recommended and tell them that you heard about it on the podcast and like the chef's eyes light up and he's like, oh, you're the third person who's told me about that, right? Like to me, like, you know, we're talking about connection. Like those are all these like little moments of connection along the way where, you know, I'm not getting anything out of that, but like it brings me joy <laughs> to uh. like both see those people, talk to those people, turn them on to new restaurants and new talent. And each time you're doing that, you're really expanding that circle of connection and the people who, you know, hopefully we'll look to you for, um, you know, I don't know. It, it It's more than restaurant recommendations, right? It's like these connections of like, where can I go to find a little more joy in my life? I love that finding joy. And, you know, with you have quite a portfolio that you have built out here for yourself from a career perspective. And when you look across the horizon at all of the different things that you do, are you finding that all of them bring you joy? Um, I don't know that everything brings me joy. Let's be clear. <laughs> um, you know, I think like I've always said throughout my career, uh, you know, so I know we kind of talked, I worked in politics and PR. Um, I, I've worked as a consultant. I've worked in-house. I've worked in, you know, on political campaigns, sort of all these different places, right? And I think when I look at it, the things that bring me joy aren't necessarily like, uh, an individual job or an individual project. It's it, it's like because of the team or the people that you work with, and that's an amazing experience. Or I've really recognized in myself that like I love building things from scratch and I love fixing things that are broken. But if you just need a day-to-day -day person to change your font from black to gray on the website, that's not my jam. That doesn't bring me joy. Um, so I always know that when jobs hit that point, it's kind of like my time to maybe move on. Um, so I think those are the things. But like, you know, we kind of talked about the um, the sort of nonprofit and the wine stuff um, that I've also been doing. And I think sometimes when your job job is is maybe maybe like leveling out and like bringing you sort of less day to day joy, sometimes you look for it in other places. Um, and one of the things that I picked up uh, a little bit before the pandemic, but I really just I started getting into wine. I went down a rabbit hole of wine education. I have a lot of friends in the industry from the years of doing sort of like restaurant blogging and podcasts. And I just thought people who tasted wine and knew about wine just intrinsic intrinsically had like a better palate or sense of smell than I did or whatever. <laughs> Um, and my friend, Julia Coney, who's a wine educator and wine writer and an expert in her own right. Um, she, we were having champagne one day in the back of uh, our friend's backyard. And she was like, no, 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 This is all learned. This is like a giant Excel spreadsheet in my head. And that like, I can tell where this wine is from and who makes it because I've tasted so much. And I've done, so, I, I, I know that these particular characteristics or like the color the look, the feel, the smell, the taste only can really come from a certain amount of places. And so you really can like narrow that down in your mind. And I found that so fascinating, right? Like I hate, I hate being in a position where I don't know something, right? I, mm. I, I like being the expert. I don't like <laughs> not knowing. <laughs> and so her telling me that just kind of made me want to learn and go down this rabbit hole. So, you know, I started taking my, um, uh, wine and spirits education trust certifications and have done level ones now and level twos. 
Um, I started like picking up a few like pouring shifts at my local wine shop just to keep my knowledge up. And like over that time, I built these really cool relationships. Again, <laughs> we're back to connections, right? Nice. Back to these connections. But um, so I, I helped Julia found an organization called Black Wine Professionals that she founded and runs. And I, I help on the PR front with um, and we seek to raise up the uh, both careers and education and connections for black wine professionals in the industry. Um, and then um, in the last couple of months, we had um, this moment in D.C. where there was a um, uh, a local food writer who was asked about women sommeliers and didn't list any and kind of just said there, you know, here are a couple of restaurants you could go to. And my PR brain kind of kicked into gear. And when I saw this sort of outrage of some of these women who I know that work in wine in the DC area, and I was like, well, let's just make a list for him so that he can't ever say that again. Right. And so started a Google doc, started like adding all of our friends that we knew work in the industry as like sommeliers or wine educators or run wine shops. And that list has now grown to over 300 women in the DC area who work in the wine industry. And it, it will probably still continue to grow. Um, we, I have four co-founders and we are now um, in the process of um, forming a 501c3 um, to help support uh, women in the industry with education and professional development and networking. Um, so we're really excited, but it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe you're getting this like organizer mentality that I have, or like, <laughs> right? But like, everyone's like, stop taking on new projects. But I like, I'm so passionate about it. I love, love like wine. I love like the people that work in the industry. And, you know, I work, I'm a PR person. So like, I, this is what I can bring to the table, right? I can help make a resource so that reporters always know who to call and contact if they're looking for a woman to quote in a story about wine. I can help you organize a membership organization for women who work in the industry and build that website and social media and all of those things. So I feel like that's my um, like my piece of the pie uh, and that I can help offer, you know, that that thing again that brings me joy um and you know i don't know where these things necessarily go right i always say like my favorite jobs are the ones that don't pay me like the anc doesn't pay me this nonprofit doesn't pay me like i but they are the things that bring me joy i i get more connections i get more um learning i get uh you know all of these really neat people added to my life and and i just love it I can tell the energy there. And, and let me just say thank you for, if I could just say it this way, raising the consciousness, right, in, in your community. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope so. I don't think like, you know, I, I, we always talk about this whenever I've gotten interviewed about the starting of, um, it's, uh, if anybody's looking for it, it's womenof.wine is our, is our placeholder website. We're building more. Um, but you know, we, when we started that, you know, we didn't start it because, you know, we were, I mean, maybe the impetus was that we were like mad that somebody couldn't name names, but at the same time, it's not like ever about that person or that negative thing that happened. It's about like, how do you turn that into something positive for, uh, the future and make sure that, you know, you course correct in your community, in your area. And I think that model and that that type of organization or behavior, I mean, it, this is specific to wine, but every industry, right, has 
um, you know, misogyny built into it. Every industry has these different things. So like whether you work in science or technology or PR or whatever, there are always ways you can look at, look around at something happening in a room and stand up for somebody. Um, and I think that's like really an important like core belief for me. Yeah, it certainly sounds that way. Now, I, I wonder if we could just take a quick little sidebar here. We've been talking about food and wine, and I'm just really, one thing I'm really curious about, and I, I'm, I'm thinking that you can probably shed a little light on this. You know, there are a gazillion seeming cooking shows out there. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, I've often wondered, you know, and I've watched a few from time to time. There's, uh, I won't mention any uh, names specifically, but a couple that I've watched that I, I really enjoy. But I'm just wondering from your perspective, what is the appeal uh, of, so you've got a cooking podcast where you make restaurant recommendations and lots and lots of people. It's a very popular genre. So I'm just wondering from, from your point of view, what's the appeal with cooking shows and that uh, whole genre of television? I mean, don't you think it all kind of does come back to a little bit of connection, right? Like who are, when it comes to restaurants, it's like, okay, well, like, who am I going to go out with this week? Mm -hmm. Like what friends am I getting together? You know, am I getting together with my family and where are we eating? So, you know, to me, I, I don't know, restaurants are theater to me and I love uh, chasing talent and trying new things. I'm like, I don't know. I, I clearly am like a little bit uh, like over the top more than the average pair on like how much I care about food and wine. Um, but at the same time, I think bringing people to a table um, and having a good meal and, you know, having conversation is is at the core, whether you're at restaurants or whether you're cooking at home. Um, and I think there are all of these sort of threads throughout your life that you connect with how things taste or smell or make you feel. And so I think, you know, cooking is evocative of so much more than just putting ingredients together. Wow. You know, I really feel like I've learned something just now. So thank Either you. That, that or I'm a total weirdo. I don't no. know. Both things can be, <laughs> two things can be true. <laughs> well, well, one thing for sure is on my next trip to uh, DC, it would be wonderful if we could meet somewhere for dinner. I would absolutely love that. And Wouldn't you know, I always have a list of places that I'm seeking to try out for the podcast. So you can be one of my, one of my guinea pigs in uh, testing new restaurants. Uh, I got a long list. I'll never finish them all, but I always have places that I want to try. Yeah. Well, let's, let's make it a, make it a date. Love it. All right. Well, listen, Tammy, I, I have one final question here. This is probably a little unfair in the moment, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And we've, we've talked a fair amount about connection and my, my, my knowing and my strong sense from you is that connection for you is not simply about adding names to a list or a database or a CRM or something like that, that there's something more there that's important to you. Yeah. And I just wonder if you could, are you able to express uh, for, for us what that means to you? What does connection, what's the value of that in your life? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting. I got asked this one time at uh, like a college recruiting event and somebody asked me like, what's the best piece of advice that you would give somebody? And, and I said, uh, I didn't do this on purpose because I certainly didn't know this when I was in college. Um, but the best thing that I've done throughout my life is 
maintained relationships and friendships. Um, and I think one thing that everybody who knows me would say is I collect people, um, maybe even too many people, <laughs> but I collect people along the way. And, and I think you hold the good ones and you don't let them go and you stay connected in ways, right? And so in some ways, um, you know, social media has kind of helped and grown that for me. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, the, just being able to like text somebody or pick up the phone and call somebody, um, you know, has unintendedly helped, um, you know, me feel centered in my life wherever, uh, you know, the world may take me. Um, I always can find people to, you know, meet around the world through friends of friends. Um, it has led me to jobs. It has led me to, you know, political campaigns um, sometimes um, and all of these different things, right? And so I think there's like a key difference between like how I approach that and how some people approach it in that like a lot of people are like, I have too many friends. I only like to have like my core group of people. And while I do have my core group of people, I love enlarging my circle and I, take a lot of care to try to stay in touch with the people who I just think are interesting and talented and smart or funny or kind or whatever. Um, and not with any agenda that I'll ever need them later. But when I look at all these moments through my life, whether it's like you get sick and somebody brings you chicken soup or whether it's you're running for office and somebody will go out to the farmer's market and hand out stickers with you, or whether you just want to get together over, uh, you know, dinner on a Thursday and you don't have plans, you know, that having that kind of like roster of people takes work and it takes commitment. And I, but I think those, you know, just to circle it back, I think, you know, those connections um, are probably the most important thing I've done in my life. Yeah. Wow. And, and I just want to tell you that I'm really, really honored that we are in each other's circles. I am too. I'm so happy to have you in my, in my little lair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, Tammy, if, if people would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. Um, so I always say, I know not everybody is into social media and Lord knows uh, all of us would probably like less of it in our lives, but the easiest way is to get in touch with me and I'm easily findable if you search my name. Um, but I am on Twitter at Tammy. <laughs> yep early, early adopter there. Early adopter, um, yeah. So on Twitter at Tammy and I'm on Instagram at Tammy Gordon. Um, and I think those are probably the best places to reach out just because, you know, if I, I, I try to keep some of my, uh, my other things a little tighter. Um, but I am absolutely open to anybody following me there unless they're harassers. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, um, uh, which happens every now and then, um, but you know, I use the block button liberally, but like people can follow and message there. And, you know, I talk about books and I talk about food and I talk about wine and I talk about my dog and I probably, as the elections get close, may talk a little bit about politics, but not a ton. So if those things are your jam, come find me there and uh, maybe maybe our connection is next. So I know you mentioned your dog. How is Ike? Oh my gosh, he's asleep on the sofa over there. So he is, for those of you who don't know Ike yet, <laughs> he's a large player in my life. He is a 13 pound, uh, I don't know. They told me he was a rat terrier, but everyone thinks he's a chihuahua. I don't know. Um, little five pound dog that is just the best. He doesn't have any teeth left and his tongue just flops out. It's like his hearing and his eyesight are starting to fade, but a, 
Apparently his lungs and his heart are doing great and nothing delights him more than when people stop and pet him on the street. So if you ever see us uh, out and about, definitely come say hi to Ike. Listen, Tammy, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been my honor to have you here. Well, it has been so nice to reconnect and uh, I look forward to getting together uh, and going to grab some food next time you're in DC. All right, let's do it. All right, chat soon. Chat soon. Thanks, Tammy. I so appreciate Tammy's perspective, particularly around polarization and the fact that we need to connect with others regardless of whether we believe in their perspective or see their perspective or not. That the power that comes from being empathetic, open-minded and understanding is significant. The other thing that I really appreciate about Tammy, and it didn't come out quite so much in this conversation, but just so that the audience knows, the spirit of abundance that she brings to everything that she does. And one of the things that I've noticed is whenever I'm online and looking through social media and other uh, platforms, other communication channels, she's always out there looking to help others. When people are laid off or have gone through a restructuring, she actively promotes and tells people, I'm here for you. I can connect you to others so that you can further your career and find a more fulfilling life. That I really, really appreciate about Tammy Gordon. And I hope that you do as well. Thank you.